Hello, Stitchers. Welcome to Stitch Please, the official podcast of Black Women Stitch, the sewing group where Black Lives Matter. I'm your host, Lisa Woolfork. I'm a fourth-generation sewing enthusiast with more than 20 years of sewing experience. I am looking forward to today's conversation, so sit back, relax, and get ready to get your stitch together. This is Lisa with Black Women Stitch and Stitch Please Podcast. I am delighted to welcome Marissa Friesen to speak with us about such an exciting and amazing topic. I thought this would be a wonderful way to begin the new year. We are here at 2020, as and as I discussed last week, it seems like 2020, maybe it's because I've always had pretty bad eyes, that 2020, to have 2020 vision has always been like, one of my personal ambitions. And so I do now have 2020 vision thanks to the miracle of glasses and contact lenses, um, but I don't come by that naturally. And so maybe that's why I kind of really admire 2020 as a number. And now here we are in the year 2020, which seems like a fake made up space year, um, but it's also a great opportunity for me to start thinking about what does it mean to live with clear vision, to live with boldness, to live with direction, to live with resolve? And so I thought when I saw Marissa and her photographs on her Instagram page, and you can find her on Instagram at so much Ariel. Is that right, Marissa? Yep, that's right. At so much Ariel, y'all. It is really breathtaking. And I know we talk a lot about sewing and a lot about really amazing and beautiful sewing projects, but this really did take my breath away. Marissa is an aerial artist, and that means that she climbs and uses her body in the most amazing and gravity-defying ways, and she sews, and it just, I just thought, that is so bold. That is so powerful. I would love to have that part, be part of my podcast vision board um, to just even just to have the images. Um, and so just to be able to talk with her today is really special. So Marissa, welcome to the program. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm so excited. So can you tell us about how you started sewing? And then I'm going to shift to how you started with the aerial work. Yeah. Um, so I actually started sewing, um, back in about seventh grade. I took a sewing class. Um, and we did the basic things like sewing pillowcases, pajama pants, those kinds of things. Um, and then I actually took another sewing class in high school. Um, so I took about two years of sewing in high school, um, making garments and things like that. And then I actually stopped sewing for quite a while through college. I was busy with schoolwork and things like that. Um, And then I started to pick it up again after I finished college. Um, And I just kind of wanted something to do. My parents bought me a sewing machine when I was about 16. Um, And so I just had that same kind of simple sewing machine that I um, used for a while. And then um, a couple years ago, my um, husband's grandmother, um, she had passed away before I had actually 
um, had a chance to meet her, but she was a sewist as well. And she um, had this really nice machine that um, had been just sitting in storage. And so um, my grandfather-in-law had um, gifted it to me. And ever since then, I've kind of been sewing um, kind of everything that I can. And yeah, that's kind of how I got started. And that's kind of how it's gone since then. Wow, that's such a, a a beautiful story. And some of the things that stand out to me about this story is that you did do sewing in high school, except that you did it for two years. I know that some people, I know that some class, some folks don't even have sewing as an option in high school, let alone have it for two years. Do you believe that that helped to shape how you thought about sewing at all? Oh, I definitely. Um, I took it for two semesters my um, my junior year. And I had the most amazing sewing teacher ever, um, Miss Wilson. She was amazing. And she really um, just inspired me to really want to make my own things. I kind of, I loved being able to show off um, what I did. She helped me make my homecoming dress. Um, and it was just something that was just really, and it felt really special that I could make something like that. And speaking of special, I was looking at some of your posts on Instagram and you remade your prom dress. So did you make your prom dress originally and then you remade it recently? How did that work? Um, so actually, are you talking about that pink dress? Oh, no, guess? this is your mom's old. This is your yeah. mom's prom dress. Oh, my yeah. gosh. That's even more amazing. OK, so yeah. now you really have to tell me. <laughs> yeah. So um, my mom had all she had her old prom dress that was just kind of sitting in. Um, her hope chest. And one day we were going through it and I found it and I tried it on and it actually fit me pretty well. Um, and she said that if I wanted it, I could have it. Um, and so I took it and I had it for probably, oh, I don't even know, maybe uh, six or seven years, eight years, maybe. And it just sat in my um, sewing stash. And then I started this um, project actually, where I made a different dress every single month. Um, and yes. So, yes. Yeah. And so I thought, um, why not um, shoot, like, why not take this dress that I've been meaning to kind of refashion for so long and kind of turning that into part of my project. Um, and so I was really worried about doing it because I didn't want to like ruin the dress and um, all the memories that were with it. But um, it turned out really awesome. I'm really proud of the product that came out after it. And are there certain things that you enjoy sewing more than others? I was definitely going to ask about the um, I'm not sure if it's called the RW Monthly Challenge or was that just something that you called it? It says RW Productions in the corners of many of your photos for the year. Um, and so I wasn't sure if that was part of the challenge or is that something different? Um, so my, I, I called it the Monthly Dress Collection. Um, the RW Productions is actually one of my friends. He is um, a photographer and he was the one that's kind of been taking my photos for me. So he has a little watermark in the bottom of the, in the bottom there of all my pictures. So, so the, your monthly dress collection is amazing. It is really beautiful. And I love how it combines different textures and colors every month. They all the dresses look different. Um, and they're all obviously very different. Do you have a favorite that you can recall mm -hmm. um, of something that you absolutely loved? Oh, oh my gosh. Um, so I really love my very first dress that I did in January. Um, it's just so sparkly and fun. Um, I think that was hot. Oh, but also September is really awesome too. Um, I just love the really deep V. It's kind of sassy, kind of sexy, but still classy. 
So I'd probably take the toss up between those two um, as my favorites, I think. And I really love, I think it was the, I think maybe it's the, is it the February one that you did? That's the redo of your mom's dress? Yep, February. Oh my goodness. That one's also really nice. You've got a lot of choices here. I don't think you can really go wrong um, right. with, with any of your dresses. And the March one is also quite nice. And mm-hmm. and I know for some of these, um, and I'm not sure if you remember the percentage, but some of these are self-drafted patterns. Cause I was reading people were asking like, what pattern was this? And you said it was self-drafted. Can you talk a little bit more about um, your relationship between drafting patterns versus buying patterns? Like, which do you prefer to do? Yeah, so actually all of my dresses that I do for the dress collection are self-drafted. Um, Amazing. Yeah, so this is actually my very first time ever doing anything self-drafted. I, um, growing up and learning to sew, I only use um, patterns, specifically big four patterns. Um, and I still prefer using patterns. I feel more comfortable doing that um, just because the directions are all there for me. I know exactly what I need to do. Um, I like the direction that it gives me. Um, but I've actually learned a lot about um, self-drafting and draping. Um, I actually made a dress form. Um, wow. I use, yeah, I, that one I bought a pattern for, for sure. But um, so I use my dress form to kind of shape things. But um, I do feel very much more comfortable with using patterns. Um, but I have learned a lot and it's, um, I like making my own patterns because then it's extra special because then I really have nobody else has the same thing because it's something that I created my own. So, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's really great that you said that you feel more comfortable using a pattern, but you did do this entire collection of monthly dresses where you drafted patterns yourself. And I think that there are people, I can't say people, I'll say there are people named Lisa Woolfork, who is myself, who is much more comfortable sewing um, from patterns, either a big four pattern or an independent pattern. And I don't do very, very much drafting myself. I might modify some things to fit, of course, but starting straight out fresh and drafting, it just seems so difficult. But a few months ago, we had a wonderful chat with um, a woman named Choma who lives in Nigeria. And she says that when she learned to sew, she learned a pattern draft, that that is what sewing was for her. Like, you know, like you were describing how you learned to sew was kind of like how I learned to sew. You start with, well, at least you got a pillowcase. You could use a pillowcase. I started with a tote bag and I'm like, good night. How many doggone tote bags does anybody need? You know, though, actually, I think I still have that tote bag I made 20 years ago somewhere. Um, but you start with these projects that are just so like utilitarian and boring. And then for some people, that just totally crushes your love to sew um, or your interest in sewing because it feels like it's just boring. Um, but you do pattern draft and you you find them, you know, you do them really compatibly, which I think is really great. You know, so you can use the big four pattern, no problem. And you know enough that you can make your own pattern. And that's something I really like is that, you know, you've made this thing, it fits great. Now you have a pattern so you can go back and do it again. I think that's genius. And it's a certain degree of boldness. Tell us, tell me about your dress form and then I'll tell you about mine because mine almost killed me. So I want to hear about your story first. Uh, Yeah. So I, um, I found, uh, I can't remember what the pattern company is called right now. Um, but it's one you can put your measurements that you can send in your measurements and they will um, 
make create a pattern for you. And then they email that to you and you can print it out. Um, and so I made, it's a little bit wonky um, still, but it gets the job done. So uh, and my husband made me a stand for it. So now it's not just a body that's hanging from my closet shelf. It's actually standing up um, and it's made to my size, which is really awesome. Um, so that I know exactly if it fits on there, it's going to fit me, which is really great because um, some dress, it's kind of hard sometimes to find a dress form that's actually close to your measurements. Um, so it's really um, convenient to have one that is perfectly fit for me. That's wonderful. If you think of it, if you think of the company at some point, could you email that to me? And I will be sure to put it in the show notes so that people can look at it and, you know, perhaps order their own. Um, because I think there's lots of folks who will be interested. So let me tell you about my my dress form. My dress form, this was years ago when the rage was you could make a dress form that was based on your own body by wearing like basically just your bra and underpants and a tight fitting t-shirt or something and then covering your entire body in duct tape. Mm-hmm. Like layers and layers of duct tape. And so I paid actual money to go to a class where people measured me and then covered my body in duct tape from like shoulder, like from neck to knee, pretty much like completely mummified in duct tape. And toward the end of the process, because you had to stand there for like 45 minutes, I was so hot and there was sweat pouring from all the orifices from which sweat can pour. And then I got lightheaded and they were like, okay, we just need a few more layers of tape. And I was like, you have to take this off me right now. (laughs) So they got the scissors and they cut me out of it because I was surely about to faint and hit the ground for sure. I really was. I was about to knock myself all the way out. Um, because of my duck. And then, and then I got it stuffed up, you know, you're supposed to stuff it. And then mm-hmm. I made my own stand out of like the base for a patio umbrella and some sand. It was so <laughs> jacked up. And then I would put clothes on it <laughs> and I would go downstairs where my storm room is and I would scare myself half to death. Cause I'd be like, mm-hmm. Oh my God, who is that? Yeah. Like, yeah. It was, Yeah. I had it for a little while and it looked like me weirdly from the back, but from the front, it didn't. So it was just, it was a mess. It was a mess. And it made me realize that I much prefer to just sew in my underwear um, and then like try stuff on that way. Though I know a dress form is probably for the best, but I I have some dress form trauma going on (laughs) and I will probably not have another one in the house because really, I really... I, every time I would go down there, I would forget it was there. And if mine was like yours was and you have it hanging up somewhere, oh, no, ma'am. No, ma'am. <laughs> they will not be partly, you know, cor- part that looks like, you know, a body hanging. I, mm-hmm. I had these beautiful um, costumes that I made, these huge three-dimensional three fish, two of them, that are hanging in my sewing studio right now. And even those things, even though I know that they're always there, they often startle me. I'm like, oh, wait, how's the fish get? Oh, it's just a costume, Lisa, calm down. Yeah, if that, if that was an actual, like, no, it cannot be a dress form. No, no, no. 
I do not. Yeah. My nerves, the way my the way my nerves are set up, it does not allow me to have things that let me get, get startled, that startle me so easily. Later on, Marissa remembered the name of the dress form company that she used to create her own dress form. It was from Bootstrap Fashion. And I have included the link to this company in the show notes if you wanted to get more information. When we come back, we'll continue talking with Marissa and talk about her aerial work and how climbing silks is about confidence and creativity, just like sewing. Stay tuned. at Stitch Please, the official podcast of Black Women Stitch, we talk a lot about sewing. But if you want to see and not just hear about some of the things we've been discussing, feel free to join us on the socials. You can find us at Stitch Please on Facebook, and you can also find us on Instagram at Black Women Stitch. You can find photos of projects that we've been working on, really interesting social commentary, and on Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, you can join Black Women Stitch for a live Instagram chat. Again, that's every Thursday at 3 p.m. So find us on the socials, follow up with us. We are happy to hear your direct messages. You can reach out to us at the Black Women Stitch page on Instagram, and we'll help you get your stitch together. Welcome back, everyone, to the special Cirque de Sewing episode. This is a special conversation with Marissa Friesen, also known as So Much Ariel on Instagram. Now we're going to talk about sewing and risk-taking and aerial work and what these things have in common. Stay tuned. So let's switch gears to talk more about the aerial work. That's what's also so amazing. And I see some great connections between the the boldness and, and, and your risk taking, willing to kind of take a risk to say that, you know, this big four pattern or these patterns don't have what I want. I know what I want. I know my body. I'm going to make it and make it work. And a link between that attitude and doing aerial work. So can you talk a little bit about that? How'd you get started? Yeah. So um, after I moved back um, to my hometown after college, I had a friend who actually met in college and we both grew up in the same town. We both moved back um, and she had heard about the circus class um, and she said, hey, do you want to go try it out? And I said, sure. Um, I have some dance background and I did cheerleading in high school um, and then college. I didn't really do much of anything um, like at all athletic. So uh, it was something that I was like, oh, yeah, I'm kind of ready to get back into the swing of things. Um, and then this sounds kind of interesting. And after the first class, I was pretty much hooked and haven't really stopped since then. So uh, it's been a really great challenge to um, kind of test my limits with my strength um, and creativity. So it's been kind of a really awesome experience overall. And I see that you also do competitions. So can you tell us a little bit about what an aerial silk, or is it called silk silk aerial or aerial silks? Is that what it's called? Yeah. So there are um, the ones that I, my preferred apparatus would be the silks, which are the two um, fabrics that hang down. There are also um, hammocks, which is um, one silk that's kind of looped. And then there's also um, what's called a lira, 
which is like a big metal hoop that hangs from the ceiling that you can do different tricks on. Um, so I do aerial silk, um, prefer, uh, yeah, mainly. Um, and I actually competed, I've only competed one time. Um, and I competed in St. Louis last year at, um, Aerial Olympics. And, um, they have lots of different divisions on what categories you can, um, compete in. And it kind of depending on how, um, what level you're at. So what kinds of tricks you can do. And yeah. That's, that's incredible. And the, the thing that I find, so there's so many things I find really powerful about it is that essentially you are using your own body strength to pull yourself up to massive pieces of silk fabric that are suspended from the ceiling. Is that right? Yes, that is correct. I, I have so many questions. Um, some of them include how how big is the fabric? Do you know how big each piece of fabric measures? Um, are you talking like width or length? Both. Um, so the fabric that I train on is about, uh, I'd probably say like 18 to 20 feet um, long and probably, oh, I don't know, maybe... Uh, 60 inches wide, probably something along those lines for each, um, fabric. So yeah. Right. I wonder, do you, it seems to me, again, this is just me as like an outsider looking at this, that there's a lot of trust required to do this. And is it trust in the fabric that the fabric isn't going to tear? Is it trust in yourself, in your abilities? Like how, how do you get up there? Like, that's just not my ministry. I couldn't, there is no way there is, first of all, I'm afraid of heights. So this is absolutely not for me, but you go up there and just, and I think people who do it well, just make it look so easy. Like, do you imagine there's a, a great degree of trust involved in making those types of doing those types of um, elaborate tricks? Oh, for sure. So the fabric I feel completely comfortable with um, our instructor uh, or one of our instructors, the owner of the company that I um, I practice at, he is like the safety king. So he has the most, um, like the safest um, setups that you could possibly have. So I have no, um, I have no uh, problems with the fabric at all. It does require a lot of trust in myself. So when I first started, um, I was also kind of a little bit terrified of going up. Um, Cause I mean, if you make one, false move or if you um your hands slip there could be you know really serious consequences for that so you do have to trust yourself knowing that you're capable of doing it also everything that I do I always 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 practice it low to the ground until I feel 100% confident in my abilities and um that I'm not going to fall or um make sure I have all the wraps correct and all of those kinds of things um so it's definitely a lot of practice um, doing it close to the ground so that you feel comfortable. And then once you build up that um, comfort level, you're able to do it in the air. And yes, the people who I see, even um, who do it, make it look so effortless, blows my mind. <laughs> even myself, even though I do it, it's still crazy to watch other people do it and like make it look like it's nothing. It's just, it just, it really does make, you make it look like, like effortless. But when I'm watching you, 
it's it's when you call, I'm I'm glad you you talked about the terminology when you call them wraps because it looks like you're knotted up in these different things and then you like un- unfurl or unroll your body to move down. I don't know. It just seems like this really elaborate set of maybe knots is the wrong word, but it just it's almost like you know, tying a baby in a baby Bjorn or one of those infant carrier things that again, I could never figure out. Um, but how does, how does that work? Like, how do you learn to make those types of, those types of ties and how do you learn to just like release like that? Yeah. So it's definitely the videos that I post always make it look super like, Oh, this is so easy. And like, there's no problems, but the, if I showed all of the like practice trials that I do, I get I get caught in the fabric all the time. <laughs> but um, it's really I. Um, so when I first started, I you start with a really basic trick um, that are few steps, simple um, like simple wrap, simple um, lock, so like a foot lock is something really basic and simple, quote unquote simple. Um, right. so that's one of the, like the ba- one of the basic um wraps uh and then it kind of builds off of that so the ones that I post are typically very like multiple steps um that take just lots of repetition um lots of modeling from my um instructors and um definitely again lots and lots of practice before I try the and releasing from certain drops is still terrifying even after I've done them so many times it's just it's just the trust of knowing okay, I went through the steps, I wrapped it correctly, I know that if I let go, the fabric is going to catch me when I'm done. And just kind of telling myself that as I go is what kind of gets me through. Because sometimes there are some that are still really tricky, really scary, but I just make, I just have full confidence that I've wrapped it correctly before I ever let go. Well, I'm looking at some of these photographs from the Area Olympics 2019, and I think this is the picture that which you posted um, in September, um, twenty on September 26th, and it's the third one where you're like, you're upside down and you have the fabric wrapped around your waist, and one hand is like pinned to your side at the elbow, and the other hand is extended down by the side of your face pointing toward the ground and your legs are in this gorgeous like leaping position, but you're upside down. I, it, it, mind blown, just completely mind blown. And everything you're saying about trust seems to, um, you know, it, it, it really, I, I feel like I can see it in the photographs. Like it's, these are utterly beautiful. Now, do you sew your own aerial costumes or do you buy those? Um, usually I buy them. I have actually made one of my costumes. Um, it was just a simple um, black leotard with an open back that I actually mm-hmm. used one of my other, um, one of my favorite leotards. Um, I use that as a pattern to make my black one. Um, but I haven't had, I haven't made too many costumes just because sewing with stretch fabric is still not my favorite. Um, but I wanted to give it a go because I mean, I love trying different things. Um, and I would love to make more costumes. I just haven't quite found a pattern that I like yet and making my own is still, yes, it fit me, but it was a little, uh, it was a little iffy. (laughs) So I do prefer to buy them at this point. 
Well, I looking at these photos, it seems like you're pretty fearless. And, um, you know, if you can do this, you can definitely sew with some stretch knits. Um, I have no yeah. doubt. <laughs> I have zero doubt at all. Um, I was just asking because um, we did an episode a few months ago with um, designs by Tosh and she makes sheer melanated stretch fabrics for black women. And she has 85 colors of browns, of browns. And so um, I'm chocolate. I'm, I'm a German chocolate. Um, and then my friend is the Bananas Foster. And my other friend is Caramel. And my other friend is, all of them are also named after foods. Um, it's pretty, it's, yeah, and, she's, and she was a dancer. And she was saying that she decided to do this um, her, she started, I think when she started, she might've had like a dozen colors and then it blossomed into two dozen colors. And she was making them just for herself and for her friends because her friends were dancers and couldn't find, um, the tights and other mesh fabrics or garments for dance wear that matched their skin. And so she decided just to make it for her own personal use and her own personal sewing. And then it just exploded. Um, into what it is right now. I think when I last talked with her, she had 85 and now she's revamping it to have even more. I mean, it's just incredible. And so I was like, oh, this would be so great for you because you do this kind of thing too. So um, yeah, I thought that would be really? kind of cool. It's, yeah. it, it, it is, it is. And, and so are you. I mean, I really am. Like I think looking at these photos, it's really, it's so very impressive. I'm talking with Marissa Friesen here on the Stitch Please podcast in our episode called Cirque de Sewing. She does these gravity defying tricks on this fabric suspended from the ceiling and it requires such bravery. And I asked her to think about how does that relate to sewing in general? If you could imagine what the connections might be between your aerial work and your sewing work, what do you think that is? Do you see any connections? I definitely do feel like after starting to do aerial, I do feel like I'm starting to take more risks. Um, and with my sewing as well, I feel like I've kind of decided that I'm going to, I kind of a, I don't know. I've decided to stop buying my own clothes and I've been trying to make most of the clothes that I wear. Um, and so kind of just taking that leap instead of just going to the store and buying things, I'm starting to kind of, kind of slow down and really like take the risk to make my own clothes and make them hopefully look somewhat presentable. <laughs> um, it's definitely been an interesting experience to um kind of well just to do both of them at the same time even um because I feel like some people are like oh how do you do all of these things um and I I don't know I just feel like they kind of cross over a little bit because I am using um my body to do different things in aerial I'm using it to uh, climb and um, do all these pretty poses and when it's with sewing I'm using it to um shape my own wardrobe so it's kind of um, it's kind of interesting to see. I've never actually had to look at them together and see how they um, work together. But I guess yeah, that would be kind of how they go together, I would guess. I think I would agree with that. And I, when I look, for example, at some of your pieces, like the one you, the dress you had for October, I mean, 
that dress, it seems like you took a few risks because you said you hadn't used tulle since high school because you said it always felt like it was a little cheap. Um, yeah. But now you have changed your mind. So tell me, how did how did that happen? How did you decide, I want a, a fluffy black tulle dress for October? Yeah, so I kind of, I was thinking like, I don't know, Halloween themed and um, I just wanted something really poofy. And I was thinking, well, I feel like Stool can be very poofy. And they were, and Joanne's was having a sale. So I thought, hey, why not? <laughs> um, and so I bought about 10 yards of stool. I didn't really know how I was going to use it yet. Um, I was still kind of processing it. And then I had some, um, some stretch, um, four-way stretch fabric from my, actually from my leotard that I had made. I had about two and a half yards of that. And so I thought, how can we kind of mash them together? And then as I was um, kind of draping it on my dress form, I realized that, oh, actually, school can be pretty, I would say, I could go so far as saying luxurious, depending on how you, um, kind of how you format it and how you lay it out on your, on your form. And yeah, I feel like it's totally changed my whole perspective of stool. Um, with that dress. That, that is wonderful. I too tend to thematize a lot of my clothes based on what is on sale. Um, yeah. <laughs> I make, I make matching family outfits for my husband and kids and myself. Um, and I've been doing this for a really long time since the kids were, I don't know, since the kids were like in fourth grade, maybe fourth and eighth grade or for anyway, my fourth grader at the time is now a junior in high school and the eighth grader is a junior in college and I still make us outfits. Um, and it's so sweet because my son is such a sweetheart, the college age one, he'll still wear it. He'll wear his Easter shirt. He'll wear his first day of school shirt and send me pictures. But, um, I was just thinking, yeah, if I thought about a theme, what's the theme other than bargain on sale, lots of fabric. There is a mm-hmm. lot of this. It is something I can't afford. Um, but no, yeah. that's great. And and that you even tried it, you know? And I think that I often struggle with the idea of learning versus unlearning. Because I think unlearning can be sometimes a lot harder than learning. And so you unlearned your, you unlearned your, you know, or you overcame or unlearned your belief about tool. And then you ended up with this gorgeous piece because you were willing to do that. Um, and that's just another risk that I think it's great that you're willing to take with your sewing. That's fantastic. So um, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I know you've had a pretty long and busy day, but if you have any particular, oh, you know what I want to ask you about? Your business. Are you making ties now and selling ties to people? I saw that too. Yeah, I am. So it actually kind of started um, when my husband and I got married. I really wanted him to have something special. And so I actually made the tie that my husband wore when we got married. And oh, I also that's actually wonderful. Made all the, thank you. I actually also made all the ties for all of his groomsmen as well as part of their groomsmen gift. Um, so ever since then, I've kind of really had this weird like obsession with making ties. I don't know why, but I just think that... It's a really fun way to add some like pizzazz to an outfit, and they're also like relatively easy for me to make. So um, I just kind of, on a whim, decided, you know, I really want to start an Etsy shop. I think it'd be, I would love to be able to sell um, my creations in a 
I felt like that was a really great um, kind of gateway to get started. So yeah, I've been selling ties for about, mm, I opened my Etsy shop about a month and a half ago, I think. So it's kind of new, but it's been a really exciting experience. That's great. And have you been having a good response? Because it seems like you have some really lovely pieces on there. Yeah. So um, I have sold uh, about, I've sold four ties so far, um, but I am starting to really push them more now. I was kind of, I kind of just posted them and said, hey, here's what I'm doing. But now I'm really trying to kind of um, market myself a little bit more, um, kind of help boost those sales and get different um different styles on there. And yeah, it's been um, a really interesting time so far. Oh, I'm glad. I think that sounds like a good, strong start, especially now that you, you also have a plan to kind of push it even farther. That's wonderful. That's good. Good, good, good for you. Well, I will be sure to include a link to your Etsy shop in the show notes as well. Do you have any advice for anyone who wants to get started with sewing or doing area work. Let's, I want to hear what you have to say to both. What is your advice for someone who wants to get started with sewing? Um, just get started. Buy a simple machine. I actually started on um, one of the um, Project Runway Brother sewing machines. Um, and I've sewn, I sewed with that all the way up until about, um, I think 2017 was when I got um, my new machine. And um, so it just had some really simple stitches on it. And I would say just get started. Find yourself a pattern that you really like. Um, it doesn't, and I would say don't start with um, like a pillowcase. Because like you said, I feel like that can kind of be like, oh, well, not very exciting. I would say start with a simple garment if that's what you're interested in sewing. Um, just find one that you like and um, just get started. It's just like cooking, I say. If you can follow a recipe, you can sew a garment is how I look at it. I like it. That is very good advice. And what about advice for if someone wants to start um, doing aerial work? If someone wants to start doing that type of um, strength, poise type, um, the, the type, you know, exercise or as a vocation or as a practice or as you know, for fitness or for whatever reason, if someone wants to start doing aerial, what would you recommend? So um, contrary to what everyone would believe, everybody can do it. And I know that sounds crazy, but we have um, students that are as young as five and we have students as old as 60. So we have a wide range. We have lots of different body types, strength levels, there is something for everybody in the circus and aerial community. Um, you don't have to start out with silk, which is the one that I love. Um, that is actually one of the hardest ones because you are holding yourself up with just your upper body strength. But you could start with something like the lira or the hammock where the fabric is supporting you a little bit more and you can start building up that strength. That's actually the only exercise that I do. I don't work out at all in any other capacity. Um, and when I first started, I actually was not strong at all. Like my upper body strength was so weak and I just kept coming back and, and trying the same things over and over and over. And eventually they got easier. So I would say start somewhere. The circus community is so welcoming and so supportive, just like the sewing community. So I would say if you're interested at all, find a local aerial studio near you and just give it a go. 
That is really great. That start somewhere, start somewhere and everybody can do it. Everyone can do it. Um, it doesn't surprise me that you have five-year-olds because I think five-year-olds yeah. do aerials without any type of silks or fabric at all. They just walk out to the middle of the street and just flip over. They're totally fine with that. But folks who are kind of getting up there in years, you know, not that 60 is old, in my opinion. This is, this is one of the funny things you'll learn as you get older, Marissa, is that the number of what counts as old totally changes. You know, it's like, oh, this this age is old. That age is old. Like, no, not anymore. That's not old. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, but yes, so... I think that's really great. I think, and also I love that there's all different types of body types that can do this as well, because it really is about your individual strength, which is something you can't tell by looking at someone. Um, And so that, I I really love that too. So that's great. Well, this has been such an exciting, exciting conversation, a great way to talk about what it means to live boldly and to make, um, to trust yourself, to trust yourself. I think that's something that I'm taking away from our conversation today is to trust yourself. And you've done a great job of, of demonstrating how you can trust yourself with your sewing. You trust yourself with your aerial work. And I think as we, as, as we, as black women, as we move into 2020, trusting ourselves is something that we could all benefit from. So um, can you tell us a little bit about how people can find you? Do you want to shout out your show, your socials, how people can find you on Instagram or Facebook and your website again? Yeah, so you can find me at So Much Ariel uh, on Instagram. I also do have a page for my um, Etsy business, and that is Ristone, um, R-I-S-S-E-W-N, at, um, on Instagram. And that's also the name of my Etsy shop, too. So you can find me on Etsy at, um, at Ristone. And yeah, that's where you can find me. Fantastic. And thank you again so much for taking the time to join us today. This has been a fantastic conversation. And I really am um, just trust yourself and start somewhere. I think these are both really good, encouraging messages for everyone to have at the start of the new year. So thank you again for taking the time to um, to talk with us today. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was awesome. Awesome. Okay, talk soon. Bye-bye. All right, bye. I hope you all enjoyed this conversation with Marissa Friesen of So Much Ariel as much as I did. I really enjoyed and was inspired by her message of just trying it and that a little bit of bravery can go a long way in life and in sewing. See you next week. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Stitch Please podcast, the official podcast of Black Women's Stitch, the sewing group where Black Lives Matter. There are a variety of ways that you can support the program, and you're doing it right now. By listening to the, pro- by listening to the podcast, it does help us grow. Another way to do that is to rate the podcast, review it, subscribe to it. All of these things are ways that you can support the podcast without having to spend any money at all. If you would like to spend some money to support us, there are ways to do that as well. You can make direct donations to our Patreon site for monthly contributions, as well as one-time contributions to PayPal, Cash App, or Venmo. And finally, we have another cute, very adorable way for you to support the Black Women's Stitch Project. It's a pin, a P-I-N enamel lapel pin that's very cute. It's about two inches wide and one and a half inch tall, and it's of the Black Women's Stitch logo. 
and that is $15 with free shipping to the U.S. And so if you drop $15 in the a PayPal, Venmo, or Cash App accounts, and then send me your email, no, not email, if you send me your mailing address to my email, either at blackwomenstitch at gmail.com, or you send me a direct message on the Black Women Stitch Instagram page, we will put the pin in the mail to you. Um, again, free shipping, $15 for the pin, and all of this goes to support the Black Women's Stitch Project. Thank you again for joining us this week. Come back next week, and we will help you get your stitch together.